0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com This morning uh, we're going to talk about Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel was the prophet actually uh, uh, in exile in Babylon and was the, the prophet that God was using and called to be the prophet at that time. So um, <clears throat> Let's get just a few background, just the the idea, the context, a little bit about what had transpired to bring Ezekiel into the captivity of Babylon, where, again, you had, you, you recall that, again... Israel separated. the northern kingdom right of, of Israel the southern kingdom of Judah there are now wars and you've got a picture right this uh, you know and and you know with everything that's going on with uh, uh, you know Israel today I mean my goodness right in this and this little Palestinian right there's this big political thing it always has been right there's this the Palestinian that is this play this small little place that is this political connection between three different continents uh, going on in that area. And Israel has always been, right, this point of contention. And it's just this little country, right, you know? And so now you have at this time that was right after Jeremiah was trying to bring God's word of, right? Prophets would bring the word of God so that there would be repentance, right? To get the people back on track. Did God's people always listen? Because they did, I mean, right? They were, they were. only had to be told one time and we were back on track. I mean, I know, it's reminded me of myself when I was growing up. God, Dad only had to tell me one time and I was squared over. No, no. So you have what's going on right prior to the exile. You've got this war. You've got the Syrians. You've got the Syrians. You've got the Babylon. You've got Egypt. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've got these... Major players military-wise, and then you have little Israel and Palestine right over here like a football being bounced around in between all of this stuff. And so what had happened is that the, the Syrians they first they first came in and conquered the the northern Israel in 722 BC. And now there is no longer this buffer. Now Judah's hanging out by themselves, right? And there's this hundred and thirty six year gap from when the northern uh, Israel was defeated to where southern and so now, through that period of time, what we talked about this morning was the prophets that God had sent along the way, and it was here was judah this the, the, this this final holdout, if you will, and there was hezekiah God brought Hezekiah in to be this prophet, and he started out, you know, wanting to do right, but I can imagine as things were transpiring, and now there's these, all these wars and everything is going on, they're feeling squeezed. Hezekiah goes over to Babylon and tries to make this pact, if you will, with the king for military support. Okay, now there's a problem. If you recall, all along the way, when God has had a people unto himself, has he not always protected his people? Has not God from the beginning wanted to be their king? But they were even, no, 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 no. We, we, you know what? We want a king like all the other nations have a king. God, give us a king. Okay, well, this is what's going to happen. And it surely did. So now Hezekiah falls under this... This wrath because he chose to go to Babylon and have this alliance for their military support and protection rather than going to God for their protection. How many times do we, I mean, I mean, there might just other than myself that we've faced issues and we've done everything else except go to God. But for the last minute. This is, this is where they're at. And it goes through to where ultimately ultimately, Zedekiah is the last um, king of Judah. And he himself was actually just a puppet. He not only gets killed or, or uh, gets blinded, but before he's blinded, his two sons are killed in front of him. He's blinded, and then he's taken to captivity into Babylon himself. And so now we have this backdrop of what has happened is now that the Babylonians have conquered them right in 586 BC now there we're going to see that there is this exile period that's going to last 50 years and when the Babylonians conquered they came in and they took the cream of the crop of the people right cuz when any time a nation conquered another nation, what did they do? They just let them stay there and you yeah, know, hey, we just, just as long as you guys know, we're in charge. You guys just can hang out and no. You know what they did is they took the best of the people and they exiled them and they enslaved them. They left the poor and the rest still there. But now there is this 50 year period Daniel, Ezekiel, and all these, they're all in captivity in Babylon now. But now God is going to use Ezekiel as a prophet of hope. So now imagine right now what's happening. I'm just going to read from the study just this part here. Um, as the exiles struggled with the question of whether or not God had abandoned them, Ezekiel proclaimed a message of restoration. And their dry bones would live again, and they would have a new life, a new breath, and a new response to his word. Family, have you ever been or are you in a place where it feels like, man, there's just been nothing but despair? There has been hard times. There are things that are going on that are just outside of our control. How are we supposed to even sing praises to our God who we know is worthy of that? But yet sometimes we just struggle to do that in the midst of the situations and the circumstances that we're in. Now, keep in mind, at this time, it wasn't because God was just being old, mean, and cranky and had a bad day and all of a sudden allowed the Babylonians to come in and and take captive everyone. He had been warning them time and time again. And we read even in this morning in the prophets, right? They, God sent his messengers, God sent his prophets, and the people mocked them. They made fun of them. They hurt them. They killed them, right? They were still disobedient. And yes, there were times of this reformation where they would They would repent and they would turn and God would bring restoration. But this back and forth, right? We might hear this term of backsliding. Oh, we know the word of God. Oh, you know what, family? I know that each and every one of us, right, have bones in the closet. Each one of us have sins that so easily entangle us. Each one of us have things that, God forbid, how embarrassed would we be if others knew? Even in the midst of our family, how embarrassed would we be? That's why I've said before, I used to be a, a preacher that, you know, he was making a, a call to in the beginning of his sermon, was to say, why don't we take just a second to thank God for all the sins that he's forgiven us of? And you could just see the look as the camera kind of panned over and people were just, oh, Lord, thank, you know. And, and, and then when he stopped a minute and he said, you know, why don't we just take an extra little minute to thank God for the sins that he's forgiven us of that no one else knows about? I believe ultimately, without a doubt, family, that God desires to have a people into himself. And those that are His, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And God brings conviction, not condemnation, by the way, so that there can be restoration. You see, that hasn't changed from the Old Testament till now. God desires a a church, a people to Himself. And we're going to see some things. We're going to see how the life of Ezekiel gets summarized, we're going to see His mission as a watch person. To God's people. And we're gonna identify the significance of his message in the valley of dry bones. You might feel dry inside right now, but I'm telling you, family, God is alive, he is able, he is capable, and he is willing. The question is do we yield? Do we continue to go back and forth? Do we continue to just muddle around? My prayer this morning is that we have eyes to see, ears to hear. That his word and his word alone is what brings transformation. So that in that transformation, all that we do brings glory to God. Amen. Our scripture this morning, I'm going to be the book of this. is going to be, if you're following, I apologize again, not having the notes up on the screens. But it will be, if you want to follow along at some point, will be Ezekiel chapter 2. And it's going to be verses 1 through 10. We're going we're to take a look at that as a, as a base. And so we'll obviously be in the book of Ezekiel. But at this time, at this time, family, there had to have been this question. Judah, the remaining exiles in Babylon. I mean, could you imagine? You have just been taken captive. You're in another country. You know it's not yours. You know this isn't how it's supposed to go. The temple's destroyed. How are we supposed to sing praises to our God in a foreign land? You might remember, in fact, when they were captive in, in Egypt and God sent Moses, right, to free his people. Why? What does the Bible say? Why did he do that? So that the people could do what? Worship. So they Right. So they could worship their God. Now they're in captivity again. And they're in a place. How are we supposed to worship our God in a foreign land? And Ezekiel and Daniel being prophets to the people in that exile, right? And I'm sure they struggled with that question of also feeling like God has abandoned them. Have you ever felt like in a situation, God, are you even paying attention? Has God abandoned us? Has he left us by the waist? I can only, sometimes when I try to go through some of these things, I do, and a class knows I talk about it all the time, but I try to think about what the context is, what's happening at that time, what's going on. And even though we go through these studies, isn't it funny how you can go through a period of a person's life in 10 minutes? I mean, if you were to encapsulate the last 20 years of your life, could, could that be surmised in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a paper? But it would never constitute all of the little details, all of the good times, all of the bad times, all of the particular memories, all of the things that happened. And I'm sure that they're having a moment to reflect on all of those things but they're stuck. And so the book of Ezekiel functions as this theodicy. And that is, is this, this justification or, or this attempt to, for Ezekiel to bring about an explanation of why God allows evil things to happen in the world. That is, we might look at that as providential judgment, right? God's providence. God's providence, right, we can simply say that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I mean, just ask Job. When he was going through a tough time and finally coming through and God said, son, I'm gonna ask you some questions and you're gonna answer me. Where were you when I formed the foundations of this earth? Where were you, buckwheat? When I said that the waters could only go this way, right? Sorry, that's a Steve Martin translation. So it somehow gets confused every once in a while in there. But I mean, can imagine, right? I mean, it, 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 it's and I don't mean disrespect, but but here God's providence in in why things happen, right? Does does or do we, the clay, get to say to the potter, "Why did you make me this way?" I mean, come on, we all listen. Let's just we want to look at our lives. And, and God's going to say, I have a plan for you. And all of you guys, you know what? Matter of fact, I, 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 need, I need somebody to be a Judas. Can I get volunteers for being Judas? No, no, no. Okay, well, let's, oh, well, let's not start there. Let's, let's, let's start with Pharaoh, right? I need a volunteer for Pharaoh because I need to harden your heart, keep your heart so that, so that I can show my glory to my people. No, 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 no takers? Now, oh my gosh, you know what? But I, you know, okay, let's do, you know what? How, I need you to be one of my prophets that get ultimately, now listen, you're gonna get beheaded, but don't worry, along the way, I got your back, right? It's gonna be tough, but you're, you know, you're gonna be taken out, but don't, we don't like to look at that because as Americans, family, I got, God's not American. We don't wanna look at it like that sometimes, I'm not saying that we do, but the reality is, is, God's not God if we can't understand and agree that he has it under control. And it's about his will and his plan for his purpose, for his glory. And sometimes, honestly, it's hard. It's hard because we all want to be, we all say, we'll say, well, I want to be used by God. God, I want to be used by you in a mighty way. What if that mighty way was that you were to be John the Baptist? What if that way was that, you know what, you're going to be martyred? What if that way was it won't always be easy? You know what, matter of fact, you know what, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to to say the very words that I'm going to tell you to say, but you know what, your ministry, nobody's ever going to even listen to you. You're going to preach, but they won't listen to you. Come on. We, we want to, pastors, we want to have a, a church that, you know what, there's plenty of behinds in the seats. Because a full church is a successful church. It's a thriving church. I, I got news for you as a side note. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the qualifications of a quote unquote successful pastor is to have a certain numerical headcount. but of His character and His qualifications to rightly divide and preach the Word of God, that as we lift up the name of Christ, He will draw all men unto Himself. Even as the body, we are members, different members of the same body. We all have different functions. Why do we get jealous over the different functions? Whether that is ultimately a John the Baptist, or ultimately getting martyred. Whatever you do. I raise my kids, 1 Corinthians 10:31. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. What matters is that you know that God has given you the very breath, the very life, the very strength, your talents, your abilities for His glory for His purpose, for His plan, that it will come together. And even in, the, even in the midst of this, come on, they knew. They knew that they were not obedient and there was judgment. And it wasn't, again, because God didn't have long suffering. It wasn't because He wasn't patient. It wasn't because He didn't send prophets to warn them or priests to guide them. Time and time and time again, back and forth, back and forth. Family, I'm going to tell you right now, we have consequences. I know that, this I know, that when we sin and we ask God truly for forgiveness and we repent of our sin, he is faithful to forgive us of all of our sins to cast them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. By the way, he's the only one that doesn't remember. If we say we don't remember, that's called amnesia. So, it it, it he doesn't he chooses, right? He is able to not remember that, but through the blood of Christ, he forgives us. That doesn't take away consequences, family. There's some consequences to God's judgment. And this is what's going on. If you think about that, right? um, um, When God disciplines those whom he loves, think about that in Hebrews, where he disciplines that if he doesn't discipline us as his own, we would be illegitimate children. So when you look at discipline, do we look for that big hand that comes out of the clouds and swats you in the behind? How does discipline happen? What does that even look like? Is it possible that God uses people, situations, circumstances, right, to bring us back to him? It doesn't mean that we're supposed to turn and look at every corner and every nook and every hard time that we have. Oh, that's the judgment of God. Oh, that, you look at your brother or sister. You look, oh, yep, yep, it's obvious that God's judging you. No, it doesn't mean that but it doesn't mean it's not. Here they are with this struggle, and here Ezekiel is to explain this providential judgment that God is going on, and that he's attempting through this book to give a justification to the justice of God. Which, by the way, is God just to do what he wants to do? We don't like to hear that because that doesn't line up with your best life now. I'm just that one's for free. So, here Ezekiel carries a dual identity as a prophet and a priest. You see the what are the the priests, remember, the priests were the ones that encouraged the people in their worship services, right? They're the ones that interceded for the people. They were many times the ones where the kings would say, "Go before the Lord, seek the Lord for us, seek the Lord for the people." Bring us a word for the Lord, right? The ministers, right, the, 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 they were the priests. The prophets oftentimes get looked at, man, they're the, they're the, they're the hammers, man. They're the harsh ones. Man, you just me, man. Maybe you should just give up that pro- prophet thing and become a priest. You need to get, soften them edges up. <laughs> no, the prophets came in and gave the word of the Lord. They were God's mouthpieces. They came in and they spoke, thus says the Lord. And how many know, by the way, that when they spoke, thus says the Lord, it happened, As a side note, by the way, what would happen if a prophet said, thus says the Lord, and it didn't happen? What'd they do with those poor guys? Oh, yeah, man, we could take that boy out? Today, you get someone that stands up and says, I'm a prophet, and thus says the Lord. Well that well now, brother, what you have to understand is that, as a man and coming into my giftings of the Lord, that I am only human, and I am just you know ascertaining the gifts of the Lord, and I am working on this prophet thing, and um, oh, wait, so what you're telling me, if i 'm hearing you right, is that the Almighty, omnipotent, everlasting God, creator of heaven and earth, and all the universe is. Incom- he's, just, he's not able to completely get his point across to you so that when you say, thus says the Lord, it's the word of the Lord. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, no. 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 Somebody says, thus says the Lord, and it ain't happening. Okay, well, we can't, you know, the laws of today, we can't go out and stone that guy. But what you can do is not sitting under that one's ministry. Why would you do that? That one was for free. These prophets declared the word of the God, word of the Lord, and they rebuked the people for their unrighteousness. Ezekiel was born into that priestly family, but at the age of 30, God had consecrated him as a prophet. So he had both roles of a priest and a prophet. And when we look at the opening vision of the book, right, of of Ezekiel, right, it's this glorious, description, right, we're going to, it's going to have this apocalyptic literature, right, it's, it's this, description of this chariot throne of God and the elements of the tabernacle are represented in, in heavenly realities. The, this ch- chariot throne v- uh, vision of this outward manifestation of the throne of God is what gets talked about. And, and now God addresses Ezekiel from this judgment throne and gives him a message of judgment. And let's look at that. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit upon you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Verse seven, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Wow, here, let me sign me up for that one, Lord. I'm gonna go before a bunch of rebellious people. Come on, I can tell you that you know what have a have a a a, a preacher or a pastor or someone you know uh, get called in to fill in for another pastor, and hey, would you could you would you mind filling in for me? Oh, pastor, no problem. Oh, well, hey, just I appreciate. Now that you said yes, you know you you agreed. Uh, by the way, just want to let you know, man, the people at Archer, you got to understand. God love them, God bless them, but man, they they just. They a bunch of them just look like they've been sitting in a pickle jar too long and they just got these faces and they you know, they they're going to frown at you. And, man, and it, you know, it, it might be a little. Too, don't worry, man, when you're done, the way that we got it set up is the person playing the piano, you'll be able to run out the back real fast. They're not going to hear what you say at all. Sign me up for that one, too, Lord. But he doesn't. He's he is faithful. Right. So now he goes on. And what's going to happen is, is God addresses Ezekiel from this throne and gives him this message Right. And tells him this is who you're going to go speak to. And whether they hear you or not. Right. I'm I'm going to give you what to say. Don't be afraid of that. Don't worry about that. Right. Today, the same thing. Do you know those that are his? We've got a command, not a suggestion. To go and share the gospel, to share all that Christ has commanded us and taught us to those that are around, teaching them all that God has commanded us. I don't know if you've ever tried that sometimes, but sometimes, man, people just look at you funny, people will walk away, people just blow you off, you know some of this being this this whole thing especially if you're someone that likes to be liked which i think most of us do at some level or another you you want to feel appreciated you want to pre- be valued right you 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 want to have this sense of significance inside of that and god's telling him, don't worry about that you just do what i tell you to do son it'll be okay it'll be okay so now let's let's look at these last uh, let's look at these last two verses here Verse 8, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. So he's commanded to eat this scroll, which is covered with this message of judgment. And so now as he is having this vision and he's seeing this, let's just continue right here to carry into, stay right there. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat and he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So God is wanting him to eat this word. He wants him to swallow it. He wants him to digest it. You ever heard somebody just say something, say, you need to chew on that for a minute. God did not want him to chew on it for a minute. God wanted him to eat that. God wanted him to digest that. God wanted that word to be a very part of him. I wonder if much as if the Word of God, again, this is apocalyptic, this doesn't mean that we're physically ripping out these pages and eating them. But as we study the Word of God, are we digesting it? Is it becoming part of it? Are we becoming part of the Word of God? Is the Word of God bringing transformation? Is who you are now different from when you first became a Christian? Is there a difference? Is there a fruit Someone said to me one time when I was talking with him, man, don't you don't judge me. First of all, son, brace yourself. I just had a good relationship with this guy. Are you a Christian? Yes, sir. Okay, but you're not the judge of me. I said, no, 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 I'm not, son. I am not. I am not the judge of you. but I can judge your fruit. I wonder, many times we tell the world we're Christians, but the fruit that we leave behind is totally antithetical to that of a Christian. It's complete opposite because we're not bearing the fruit of a Christian. And it's not always easy, family. It's not easy. But to give forgiveness when somebody has wronged you Maybe someone's wronged you several times and you want to try to, and Lord, you want me to forgive that? I don't think so. Lord, I know vengeance is yours, but can I be a tool? Sign me up for that one, Lord, because I want to How do we give forgiveness when someone's hurt you so bad? Could it be that we could remember how much God has forgiven us of? Can we love somebody that just Despises everything we stand for. How can we even do that in that? How do we have the power to do that, let alone have the desire to do that? Can we not recall how God loved us while we were yet still sinners? And God chose to save us, to reach us down in the depths of the muck and the stuff that we were in? And when we first came to God, he didn't ask you to be cleaned up. He didn't ask you to get right. He just asked you to come to him. And when we came to him, the exchange was something of these nasty, filthy, dirty, stinky, wretched rags. And we said, here you go, Lord. And he's like, oh, well, let me just take that to the cleaners and I'll be right back with that. No, no. He gave us his robe, put a robe of righteousness that he took upon the very sin that we had, that we deserve death and took that upon himself and gave us life everlasting. Maybe if we reflect on that sometimes, that through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within each and every believer, that would give us the ability to walk in obedience And so Ezekiel, man, this is what I want you to do, and I want that word to be part of you. I don't think it's changed in that God wants his word to be a very part of us. It's the only thing that brings transformation. It's not behavior modification, family. It's not you do this, and so God rewards you for that. We're not a mouse in in a maze And you find a way, and you get a piece of cheese, and he takes you out, and you start all over again, right? It's not Groundhog Day. You're not a mouse in a maze. You're not in a world where God's a clockmaker, wound it up, sat, let it run, and sets back and does nothing and watches us struggle. No. God is alive. I believe that God desires us to have his word that we can meditate on it day and night that it becomes a part of us just like it was with Ezekiel, right? So God has given Ezekiel a mission. God has given Ezekiel a call. Family, God has given each and every one of us a call. Ezekiel labors his purpose as this watchman for his people among the exiles, just as Jeremiah labored as a prophet in Jerusalem. Right. Ezekiel's mission was so that is that Israelites would know that Yahweh was Lord. In fact, really, if you were to look at that, even when I was studying Hebrew in in seminary, right, you Jewish, you don't even even if you go to write Hebrew, right, it doesn't even write out Yahweh. The, 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 the Jewish culture that, that Yahweh is so sacred, you can't even pronounce it correctly because it would be disrespectful. You can't write it correctly in Hebrew because it would be disrespectful because none of it's going to bring honor enough that the very word of the Lord is mentioned, let alone written. But that was his, but you know here in America, we're, we, got, we can... <laughs> have, have, we, have we lost our... Sanctification, not our sanctification, that's not right. Have we lost our sense of God's holiness? Do we just, I was kind of talking to the class just before this morning. We go through sometimes the the the, the mundane Week in and week out. Do we have to do that hymn? Do we have to sing that song? Do we have to do that? I mean, I have to, you know what, I'm tired. You know, come, Pastor, you know, well, that, you know, Pastor, he's struggling, so let's give the boy a break. You, do we do that? Or do we not know that we're coming into the house of the Lord? You know, I would teach a class sometimes where, you know, when God was talking to Moses and he told Moses to take off his sandals. Why? Huh? Because he was on holy ground. What made it holy? God's presence made it holy. Huh. So as a believer, where's the presence of God? Does God's presence, the Holy Spirit, dwell within the heart of a believer, dwell in the life of a believer? Oh, yeah, it has nothing to do with you and I. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. God doesn't owe us anything. Anything. But his presence dwells within us. So the presence of the Lord would be amongst us even today. Sometimes do we just take a moment and just remember the holiness of God instead of calling Jesus our homeboy. You know, he's my brother from another mother. You know, because, man, God, we're, we're, we're like close you know, that's, that's how the Lord and I roll that way, man. I mean, we're, we're good. Let me just watch yourself. I used to say some stuff, and my dad would say, watch yourself, boy. I didn't get no count to 10. <laughs> time out. What was time out? I mean, I it. it didn't happen. You'd get something popped upside the head. What was that for? Because I told you. I didn't hear anything. Well, then you needed an attitude adjustment, boy. <laughs> come on. Thank God that, right, sometimes do we forget, right? I was, I was reminded constantly by my, by my earthly father. You don't disrespect me. You don't disrespect your mother. You don't come into this house talking all kinds of stupid silliness. There are going to be some corrections. You're going to have an attitude adjustment along the way. We, we, we can't bring God down to our level. We're in a place that's holy and God's presence is here and God will share his glory with no one. Make no mistake, family. Let's not get too loose with that. That doesn't mean we can't have a good time. I know I joke sometimes. That's, that's the personality God gave me. But Lord, help me to stay in confines of when I speak his word, that I do the best that I can to rightly divide his word, that I don't take it out of context that I don't try to make it fit my agenda of what I want to say, but that we teach the whole counsel of the Lord. At Ezekiel, right here, he labors as this so that his mission to the Israelites would be that they would know that Yahweh was Lord. That they may know that I am Lord. That statement occurs 60 times in the book of Ezekiel. Sixty times. It's also the similar phrase where the psalmist has called us to be still and know that I am God. Be still, be silent in the Hebrew is really a command. And it's not just a command, but it's a powerful command. It's more along the lines of shut up and hold your mouth. You know, and I I did the the whole year of of taking Hebrew in seminary. It was amazing. You know, it's funny because it's not just Hebrew, but it's other languages of other cultures. If You know different languages. Sometimes you know that the English language sometimes just doesn't have the vibrancy or the... the, um, the, 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 I want to say the powerfulness or the, the, the way to surmise what's really trying to be you know, said. And that I found in Hebrew, man, oh man, there is just, it's just no way to say, but the, the, this is how our English language would, would be still know that I'm Lord. No, you sit down, shut your mouth, hold your tongue, stop complaining. And know who your God is. That's what that means in Hebrew. That would be a, a better, not to say a rendering, but that has more of a, the, the weight behind what he's saying. And so Ezekiel is there and telling him that you know that Yahweh is God. Have you not seen from your forefathers all the things? Don't you remember all the things that God did for our forefathers before us? And now we're just going to give up, throw our hands up, continue to walk away from God? Even though we know time and time again, he's been the only one that hasn't lied. In fact, he's the only one that kept his end of the covenant. We've been the ones, been the covenant breakers. We've been the ones backsliding. We've been the ones not fulfilling our promises. We've been the ones that continue to doubt God. We've been the ones that continue to, to, to know that, hey, these prophets are, are who God has sent, but they're not saying what we want them to say, so let's, let's, let's take the boy out. But Ezekiel is here to say, no, this is, you need to understand that this is who the Lord is That he is Yahweh. And so turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel, we're staying in the same book because we're going to see that Ezekiel also offers his people hope, right? So a lot of times, you know, you know, a lot of times you'll hear Pastor Shane and, and and when you hear him preach or teach, and if you think about this just the same, right? Have you ever seen... You ever seen, you ever, you know, watching a game or been at a game, a football, a hockey, or just any sporting event or someplace. And then you see somebody in some place in the stadium. They stand up and hold up a big sign and it might say something like, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Jesus saves. Anybody seen that or heard, about you know, that kind of stuff, right? Hey, God loves you. You know, you're walking down the hall somewhere. Hey, God loves you, brother. Listen, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And I could tell you that some of the first times that I heard somebody tell me, Jesus loves you. God died for your sins. I was so receptive. I was quick to automatically. Really, could you tell me more? (laughs) Now, for some of you know me, listen, no, I was pretty honoring. Nope, I was out at the Shake Your Booty bar. I was out there, just, boots and pants, and boots and pants, boots, right? No, I was doing drugs. I was drinking. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Come on, I'm just going to be real. I'm just telling you, look, I grew up in this neighborhood. I, I know I've said that many times. Do these scraps and fights across the street and this, that, and the other, and doing things and going places I shouldn't have been doing and going and whatnot. And then here comes somebody telling me Jesus loves you. I'm like, okay, well, uh, that's great, and I get it out of my face. I mean, even even on my way to uh, at the time, um, you no, know, 1986, going into uh, basic training, they had they had some people standing at that time, standing on the we're we're walking into a load on the plane, and a uh, person on each side handing handing tracks, you know, Bible tracks out. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Throw it back in his face. Uh, dude, I'm I'm save myself. That's why I'm going to get some training. I I, I made fun of, I, I made fun of Christians. You know what? Christians are just a bunch of weak willed, jelly spined, got no backbone, can't stand up for themselves. They always fight and a bunch of hypocrites in that place, anyways. Last time I went in there one time, it was just because I got scared because I had a gun pointed at me, and the hammer was cocked back, and you see the cylinder, and you can see the the bullets in there. So, you know, you get scared real fast, and then you, you know, going to go to church because it's going to make it better. Going to to church at that time made me no more of a Christian than, you know, a little Honda Civic sitting in a garage makes it a Corvette. But I made fun of Christians. I mocked them. I know that there were people that tried to share the gospel with me. In fact, in high school, get this, when I was in high school, Central Central High School over here, by the way, that was where I graduated from. From my, from my sophomore, middle, sophomore year, um, this God, I'm trying to remember her name. I got her face. Uh, um, Christine. Um, God, I could see her face. walk down, down the hallway in school, and she would put her hand on my shoulder. Hey, Steve, hope you have a good day. Cool. We never really hung out, but this happened very frequently. It wasn't until when I was married her and her mother showed up. See, she was Native American, and my wife at the time was, her, her mom was Native American, Navajo, from the same tribe, from the same place. And when I gave my testimony at my wedding, she cried. I didn't even know she was invited. My mother-in-law invited her. I didn't have any complaints. But she came up to me crying, she said, Steve, I know we weren't really friends in high school, but do you remember all the times when I came up and I touched you and told you to have a good day? And I said, Matter of fact, I, I, I do remember that. And she goes, Every time I touched you, I prayed for you. <clears throat> you don't know. You have no idea. I mean, times, right? I've said this with walking. Cross this front of this church, riding my bike, driving my car, doing all kinds of silliness. Did I ever think that I would darken the door of a church, let alone have such an awesome opportunity yeah. to share God's word with people that I had no business at that time, that I made fun of the very people that I now want to serve? Ezekiel is before a people and he's going to proclaim that Yahweh is Lord. And that's what Christine did, even though she did it in her way, in a way that who knows, right? Some of us, we may never ever see the other side of our obedience to God. It might be that that... That word, that loving word, it might be that hug. It might be just you listening. It might be just that sharing of that small scripture. Whether they receive it or not, God's word will not return void. It will accomplish what it was set forth to do. Some of us may plant seeds. Some of us may water seeds. But God, He is the one that will cause it to grow. We're all messengers with the same mission. How can we not share what God has given us? What God has done. Listen, it don't mean you got to drive it home, right? We get such bad names and stuff, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't, that should not preclude us from still sharing what we know to be true. We believe that the love of God should compel us. And that's what Christine did. She did it in a way that, you know what, was non-confrontational. And each time it was just maybe opening for an opportunity. And she's, she told me, she said, Steve, I prayed for you all these years. I had no idea that I would even be here. But the fact that the fact that I got to hear your testimony and that somehow, some way, God could attribute that I had a part in being able to pray for you. I wonder, right, how many times people, even from out Scripture to even now, right, we don't get to, like I said, sometimes we don't get to see that, that other side of our obedience to God. But family, I pray that we don't get weary, that we have the courage in Christ, that we have the strength in Christ, that we have the desire, that we have the love and the patience in Christ, to do those things, right? Because now what we're going to see here is in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read the first three verses here. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me around among them, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. He's in this valley. These aren't people that just recently deceased. I mean, these bones would have had to have been bleached out. They were dry. There was no, there was nothing. They were bones, right? So we get this picture of what's in this valley. And God's taken Ezekiel around to survey this valley of bones. And now this is what he says. Verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, I think this is the only appropriate thing. Oh Lord, only you know. (laughs) Oh oh, Lord God, you know. Verse 4. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, these bones, excuse me, prophesy, excuse me, excuse me, I have my glasses, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these uh, bones, and behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Let's, in fact, let's read, a few, let's read a few more. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. God had given him the words to say and gradually these dead, dry bones came to life. And this symbolism that God is breathing life into his people. See, that's this last part of Ezekiel was to give hope To these people, God was using Ezekiel in this 50 year period of being exiled in another nation, giving them hope of what God would do. And he said, The Lord declared that the army, that this army that he caused to prophesy life, that this was the whole house of Israel. God's not going to leave his people in exile. They will have new life, new breath, and a new response to his word. There will be an end to the captivity and a regeneration of his people. Family, this this time and this place where we walk now, we're pilgrims passing through. He has gone to make a place for us. That's kind of where I was ending the class this morning. Was you know when you ever anybody ever bought a a house or a property or something, and you put down earnest money, right? That deposit that says I've been approved. I'm good for I'm good for that the loan on that house. You see, God has given us His earnest. He's given us his spirit. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you as orphans. He didn't just say, man, I'm out. I'll let you know. You'll find out when I come back. He didn't leave this hanging. He doesn't leave us to struggle on our own, right? He's not leaving us in this exile alone. He's brought restoration. He's brought life and life more abundantly. He's given us the power through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to accomplish all of these things. It's not what we do, what we've done, but rather to rejoice and to walk in obedience through what Christ has already done. no matter how we feel, right? Because we're going to have the ups and downs. We're going to have the hurts, the disappointments, the letdowns. We're going to have the family members that are still going to make fun of you. Oh, man, Thanksgiving time. Man, is Steve coming by? Right, because then it's just like, you know, I mean, see, I mean, I love my family. My my sisters, right, sometimes be like, you know, and then mom and dad, would, you know, again, they would come in. Well, son, you, you know, you want to pray over the food? And then I heard someone. time I looked at him, I heard this. <sighs> and I'm looking to see who that was from. And I'm like, listen, watch yourself. I can say that because it's family, right? We all have family, right? But, but the, the reality is we want our families to come to the Lord. But I will tell you this much. My family, Christian or not, it's not because they haven't heard the gospel. It's not because I haven't said something in love. It's not because, as they even look at my life, and even through the imperfections, right, this wasn't just a, a thing, right, this, this, well, this Christian thing, right? They, they, they have even said this, this change in you, right? You're not the same person. and my heart breaks sometimes because I do want my my siblings and I do want my family to know the Lord as I do. I do want my beautiful daughters to continue to walk in the way of the Lord, right? You know, girls, I've always told you, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, yeah? Everything that we do, you do what? Huh? For the glory of God, amen, that's right. Whatever you do, you've been given talents and abilities. Let's use them, family, for His glory so that He gets the glory. Know that there have been many, many before us that have, let's be honest, sometimes faced a lot harsher things than we have. But thanks be to God, even with us, He is patient, He is kind, He is just, He is gracious. And he is God. He can do whatever he wants to do. And I've always just relocated sometimes that I know that in my sin, I've said, God, is there such a thing as, can I pray for crop failure? Because <laughs> I planted some seeds and I don't want those seeds to come back around. And, you know, But I know that I have had an answer for consequences. We all do, family. But I will tell you this one thing. For those that are his... Nobody can snatch you from his right hand. He will see all that are his to the very end. He is all powerful. There is no mistake, family. He will carry you through to the very end. He will accomplish his purpose and his will in you that he set forth to accomplish. Because God is faithful even when we're not. For those of us that are his, and what do I mean by those that are His? Those that have confessed with their mouth, believed in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died, that He was buried, and that he was raised three days later, that we can repent of our sins and believe upon Christ. You will be saved. And in that salvation, listen, that is not in of anything of ourselves. We didn't get to make a wise decision. You see, I know full well what it's like to not be a Christian and grow up in a home that wasn't a Christian. You have no desire to serve God. Not even the wisest wisest of people can say, I have thought about and deliberated and I have studied all the vast religions and I have concluded that this seems to make the most sense. Negative, Ghost Rider. It was but the grace of God that he had given you the very faith to even confess Christ as Lord and Savior anyway, but that he saved you lest no man should boast. That's what I mean as those that are his as a Christian. And all of the promises in the Bible are yea and amen. And all of the promises apply to you now as a family grafted in to the bride of Christ. And for those that are not, my job is not to try to necessarily convince you, defend per se. I like how Vodi Bauckham says that I don't need to defend the word of God any more than I need to defend a lion. I just opened the cage and he take care of itself. The word of God is powerful. And if there are those that don't know the Lord, but you're feeling a sense of change, And you want to know the Lord. man? We can pray with you. Because God has a plan. And God has a purpose. And He wants to include you in it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.